thank you for tuning in to the Diary of an Addict. Tonight, I have a, a good friend of mine that I've met through via social media. Uh, I actually met her a long time ago, but as with a lot of people I meet when I was in addiction, you know, like the stories aren't always good. And I don't always remember all the details because I was kind of like walking around in a blackout for most of the time. But I've seen her story on social media and it's inspiring uh, to say the least, because when I did see her, I don't know how she was doing, but you know, I knew what I was doing and to be around me, I automatically assumed that you was in the same stuff that I was into, but uh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, what's your name? Where are you from? Uh, what ethnicity are you? Um, did you have both parents in the home growing up? Did they drink or do drugs? And did you ever see them? If they did. Yeah, my name is Nerissa Woodard. I am 28 years old, and I'm from Bryson City. Um, I'm white. Um, I did have both my parents. Neither of them drank or done drugs. I had pretty perfect parents. I had a pretty good life growing up. Did you, um, what was you like as a kid? Did you, did you enjoy school? Did you play sports or did you? I did. I, I enjoyed school and I played sports my entire life. Okay. Well, um, your story is a lot different from mine and, uh, that's okay. I mean, it's what I found in, people telling their stories and me sharing our stories is that they can be almost completely opposite, but then almost exactly the same at the same time. If you know what I'm saying, like as far yeah. as how, how things go. Um, so when did you first experiment with drinking or doing drugs? Did you do one before the other and how old were you? Um, I would say I was probably, I don't know, 16 or 17, I was in high school when I started drinking. That never really was an issue for me. And then um, I would say I was about 21 or 22 when I started using drugs. And I, I got a job, and I just started hanging around with the wrong people, and I kind of fell into all of that. I wasn't, growing up, I wasn't raised around it. Like I said, I had a pretty good life. So I kind of just fell into the wrong crowd. Um, what what did you try first? Do you remember? And um, I tried. Like, oh, go ahead. You mean drug-wise? Yeah, yeah. I tried heroin first. Wow. And then... Uh yeah, then that led to meth and yeah. Did you did you just did you try it and was instantly hooked or how did it make you feel the first time you you used? Um 
I guess you could say it made me feel good. So yeah, I guess you could say that I was instantly hooked. It was it was something that I wanted to do again. Yeah, I know that's um the reason I asked that is because man, um as you know, I I've, I've done heroin as uh amongst the many numerous other drugs. Uh yeah. It it almost made me feel like I was floating, you know, so like it did. And, and I uh that's another difference in our stories also is um I went up like up to heroin, you know what I mean? So to start out at heroin, that's that's pretty, you know. I, I imagine that's. I'm not trying to say anything bad about you. I don't want you to think that, but that's. Oh, no. <laughs> that's that's like hard. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I know it, was, it was just something that everyone around me was doing, and I guess it was just there for me to try, and I tried it, and I guess I just didn't expect the outcome to be what it led to. Yeah. Um, the reason I was saying that is because I don't. I I might know one or two people who have tried heroin and didn't like it. You know, so for that oh, to yeah. be your, for that to be the first drug you tried, man, that's that's uh, that's pretty rough. But that's not. I can see why you got addicted. Is what I'm trying to say. I guess because you know, like I said, I've. And the one or two people that I did see that didn't like it, they didn't like it because the first time they tried it, they they fell out. You know, they had to be narcaned and brought back to yeah. life. And I think more than not liking it, um, they got scared. You know what I mean? It probably scared them. So yeah. And uh, that's that's crazy, Nerissa. I, um, I never did. I never did fall out until. It was well over a year of doing it, and then I finally did one time, and I didn't touch it again. I, the one time I fell out, I never done it again, but I done just about every other drug I could get my hands on. Did you, um, what, what was it like when you was out there in that world? Um, was you... Was you having to, I know a lot of people, they either sell the drugs or they end up like ripping people off or they end up stealing. Did you have to do any of that to supply your habit or did you have a means of income for that? Or, um, I, Like I told you before, at first I had a job, but very quickly into using, I lost that. I lost my car. I lost my home. I lost everything in my life pretty much. But no, I never did. I never sold drugs, but I did start stealing. I got I was incarcerated several times for that. So I guess stealing was my way of supplying my habit. Um what was uh you said you never fell out, that was my next question, but what would you say was like your your rock bottom moment? Did you have a rock bottom moment for myself? Um, my rock bottom moment was like numerous moments put together, like strung along. It was like a like a bad story, you know. Um, I think mine was too. There were several times 
I would go to jail. I would get out, and I would say, okay, I'm done. I'm not going back to it. And I did, of course. And then um, I, within five years, I had nothing to call my own. had nowhere to go, no one to call. I had burnt all my bridges. And I also got pregnant with my little girl. And um, I went into labor with her. And I had already lost one child due to drugs. And I just, I knew the thought of losing her, it just scared me to death. And I don't know, I never went to rehab. I never, I just stopped. I decided I was done. Cold turkey? Cold turkey. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. It makes it even more awesome the fact that your story ended with cold turkey. It's fitting that it ended with cold turkey with, you know, you starting with probably the most addictive drug that I've ever tried for sure, you know. Yeah. Did you did you do anything as far as like NA meetings or church or what what keeps you on the right track? I actually DSS took over uh had a DSS case for my daughter. So if I didn't follow their guidelines, it was, I would lose her. And I also got back in contact with my son. He is 10 years old now. Um, I was fighting for him and there were stipulations through the court for drug testing, supervision, and I just, I wanted him back more than anything in the world. I had lost so much time with him, and I did not want to lose my little girl. So just I always say that they are my reason. They are what helped me through it, and they are. That makes me happy for you. You know what I mean? I can hear the happiness in your voice when you talk about reconnecting with your children. And I yeah. mean, that's a story with a lot of us, myself included. I'm still working on getting back into my daughter's lives, you know, and yeah. I, I understand that struggle. So, you know, that's that's still my motivating factor to this day is like, you know, it's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and it's getting brighter every day because Every day I'm working my recovery. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just waiting on the lawyers now, you know. Um, yeah. I, made a joke, I made a joke the other day that I wish I wish custody court moved as fast as criminal court because they surely didn't waste no time sentencing me. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm proud of you for, for doing that. So just, just being a mom and reconnecting with your children is, is like a foundation of your recovery. And I also, I had, I have two of the best parents and a stepdad that anybody could ask for. And I had, and not just them, grandparents, brothers, sisters, I had burnt every bridge that I had. Everyone, they didn't believe a word I said, which I couldn't blame them for it. And when... I started fighting to get 
my kids back and to do the right things for my kids, they find, for whatever reason, they were like, okay, we'll give her this chance. And I knew that if I broke that trust again, that would be it forever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you wanted me to talk about your dad or not. Uh, I know him. Uh, no, it's it's completely fine, and he he would be completely fine with it. He is so supportive. Yeah, he. Uh, I know a lot of people say he's an asshole, but he. Whenever my run-ins with him, you know, he was arresting me. Uh, for those the listeners, Marissa's uh, mm-hmm. father is a, a sheriff with the Swain County Sheriff's Office, or uh, a police officer with the Swain County Sheriff's Office. So, my run-ins with him were not, you know, friendly, you know, hey, how you doing at the grocery store? It was like him arresting me and me trafficking narcotics. So, and even still, he did his job. He obviously took me to jail because he caught me in the wrong, but, you know, he wasn't an asshole. And he actually, you know, on the way to jail, he was like, man, uh, I don't know you, but you could do, you could, you're so, you're, you're capable of so much more than this. You know what I mean? And Oh, uh, yeah. Just just words like that, not only from him, but from other people, you know, like, I don't know how it was for you, but me, I got arrested so many times in everywhere, you know, Swain County, Jackson County, Cherokee, uh, oh, yeah, everywhere. Like, it became so normalized for me that, you know, the, the people knew me, you know, I knew the people, you know, I like, I walk into the gym, like, hey, Pat, what's up, you know, <laughs> How you doing? How's the kids? You know, like I knew them past the the guardian mate relationship. You know, and yeah. a lot of them they still, you know, to this day they'll still tell me, "Hey, I'm proud of you." So, like, the fact that they're doing their job, and I know it's got to be tough to do that job. Like, it, it has to be. I don't. I don't care what anybody says. To be a police officer it has to be a tough job. I wouldn't do it. I ain't gonna lie to you, but. For them to still have compassion and empathy in that regard is is awesome. So that's I wanted to say that about your dad. Um, oh yeah, I put him in so many situations that I know he felt helpless because he didn't know what to do. But looking back on it, I'm so thankful for. At the time, yeah, I may have hated him or said whatever, but I'm so thankful for everything that he done and really everything that, like you just said, that any police officer, any probation officer, it all led up to where I am now, and I'm thankful for that. Man, I, uh, when you said that about, you said all kind of things to him, like sometimes I, I feel like the words that I said, because I was hurting myself, you know, my toxic trait was, and still is sometimes, I'm not going to lie, is if I'm feeling hurt, I'm lashing out with my words to make you hurt like I am, you know. And so when I I was struggling real bad, man, I was going for people's jugular veins with my comments, you know, and I wish I could take them words back sometimes more than I wish I could take back some of the bad things that that I actually did, like actions, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, did your dad ever arrest you or did he ever have to like get you on a warrant or anything like that? One time he 
I was running. I didn't have warrants yet. I think I was out on bond, but it was coming because I didn't pay my bondsman. But um, he found me. I didn't have a car or anything. He found me, and I think he was just hoping and praying to find a reason to be able to put me in jail so that he knew that I was safe. But he never arrested me. He drove me to the jail and kept me kept me locked in the back of his cop car, but that was about it. <laughs> he made his own jail for you, it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, I always tell people this about parents, uh, you know, in that moment you were probably like, I fucking hate you for this. You, I mean, I would have been like, I hate you for this. I would have said everything I could have. You probably couldn't even hear me, you know, because you can't hear nothing when you're in the back of a cop car. But yeah. for, for him to be able to do that or to be not only be able but willing to do that, it wasn't – it was from a place of love, you know. That, that's that's tough. That's, that's really oh, yeah. awesome. Um, man, that's awesome. Yes, I, I love to hear your story. Uh, it's a, re- a reason that I kept highlighting the differences in our story is because, you know, sometimes people think addiction is still stigmatized, you know, to to people. They they still, I mean, people still think addicts are just bad people, or they don't have, they lack the discipline to be able to say no to this, or you know that they they got bad morals or anything like this but you know people from all walks of life struggle with addiction so and it doesn't discriminate uh addiction don't care if you're white black red yellow purple rich poor came from one parent two parents no parents you know that's that's the reason i was highlighting our differences is just to show that you know it don't matter like we all we're all one race i feel like and we're all on a journey of our own we're headed in the same direction. Maybe not to the same place, but we're all headed in the same direction, you know? And I think that once we break this stigma that surrounds addiction, we can start to treat it. I mean, because I don't think you treat addiction. You treat uh, childhood trauma, unresolved issues, uh, PTSD, anxiety, you know? Yeah. But, um, so that's I'm thankful for you for sharing your story because that's what we're trying to do with this. We're trying to break the stigma of addiction by showing that it is possible to recover, uh, regardless of how far you're gone, how many times you've been arrested, how, how much, how many bridges you've burned. It doesn't matter. Like you can still turn around and change your life for the better and, you know, live the life that you deserve. You might not think you deserve it. I, when I say this, I'm, I'm really speaking about myself. Uh, when I was struggling, I didn't think I deserved to be happy. Uh, I'd done so much bad shit that I didn't think that uh, I should be able to be happy. It wasn't fair to other people that didn't do the bad shit that I did to not have a good life and for me to, you know. But now I've learned that, you know, we're all we're all worthy and deserving. We all deserve the best that life has to offer. Yeah. Um, do you... If you could go back and talk to Marissa in the midst of her addiction, like at the lowest point, 
and you could say one thing to her, what would you say? Um, I'd probably, I'd probably just ask her what she was doing, who she is. And I say that because when I look back on my life from how perfect it is now, I don't even know the person that I was. I could never, I could never imagine doing the things that I've done in active addiction today. And just like you said, there were people when I first started using, I know for a fact they were like, that's not true. She's not doing that. There's no way. But your addiction does not discriminate, just like you said. It doesn't matter how good of a life you come from, what you have. It can happen to absolutely anybody. If uh, if there's somebody listening right now that, that is still struggling with an addiction of some sort, do you have any advice for them, or would it be the same as you would have gave a younger version of yourself? Um, if I could give somebody a word of advice, it would be just to look at the bigger and better things in life, all the blessings and just the good things that are way beyond addiction. And it may not... I know that when I was in addiction, when people would try to talk to me and try to help me, most of the time I did not want to hear it. I didn't care what anybody had to say, but I do feel like when I got to the point of being done, I knew I was completely done. And like you said, everybody's story is different. I quit cold turkey and some people can't do that. But I would just tell them just to keep hope. I love that. There's always hope. Even when we yeah. don't see it or feel it or think that it could be there, it's, it's still there. Um, I know there's some people that listen to this podcast, Nerissa. They, uh, they themselves don't struggle with addiction, but they, they have a loved one or a family member or a dear friend that's struggling, and they listen in in an attempt, I think, to find something that can help them help that person. And would you have any advice for them? Say if, uh, like, so say if your dad was listening five years ago when you were struggling, what would you tell him? You know. Um, I would tell him not to, just not to give up on that person. No matter what they do wrong, all the bad things, just know that that is not who they really are, that that is addiction. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Uh, I know for me, it it almost, it's almost, I mean, it is ironic, but it, it's it's crazy because you almost have to have went through addiction to be able to say that, you know? Oh, yeah. That, 
that it's not it's not me you know what i mean and sometimes it sounds like a cop out but it, it's true you know um i know i'm i'm a completely different person now than i was two years ago three years ago you know um I'm a completely different person. I feel like from, from this time last year and I wasn't on drugs, you know? So, I, so to the difference is even more than night and day, I think between the sober me and the me that was, um, in active addiction, you know, ripping and yeah. running and all this stuff. So it helps me when, when I'm talking to people, because I still have family members and loved ones and friends that are still struggling, you know? And when I talk to them, you know, they, I know they're hurting. I know that they they have something that they need to work on, and I just want to help them do that. And I know some, sometimes they lash out at me, you know. Sometimes, you know, they're like, uh, and I get it. I get the frustrations. I've been there. And that, that I guess what I'm trying to say, I said all that to say this, that it makes it easier for me to let that stuff just roll off my back. So just not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't. You can't take that serious, you know, because if you do, like, that's the that's the object. Me, if you were trying to talk to me and tell me stuff that I needed to hear, not that I necessarily wanted to hear, I would say stuff to make you mad so you would go away and stop saying that to me. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I've done the same thing. So when we realize that, it makes it easier whenever somebody's, you know, calling you every name in a book and you can just say, you still, you know, give the advice that you were saying earlier that don't give up. You're worthy. You're loved. You deserve everything. So thank you for coming on here. Nurse. I know it's, it's hard. Uh, it's a hard thing to do to make yourself vulnerable like that, you know, cause for me, a lot of people knew parts of my story. A lot of people knew a lot of parts of my story, but you know, nobody knew like from from when I started to where I am now, besides me. And yeah. it was kind of scary to put that out in the world, you know. But after I did it, man, it felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, people reached out to me and told me that they're thanks for sharing, you know, and it helped them. And that that's the ultimate goal is if you're able to. Not only heal yourself, but use your story to help heal others. That's the real flex, you know. That's what I think. So, thank you for coming thank on. Thank you yeah. for, thank you for asking me to come on here. And I, I hope you can continue to be the the mom you are, and uh, you're a light. I don't know if you know that, but you're a light to everyone that we used to run around with. You know, there's, I think most of the people that I've seen. Whenever I seen you, the people that I was that were around, I think they're all locked up, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, we're 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 blessed and lucky to not only be alive but to be free, free from yeah, our addiction yeah. and free from jail or prison. You know, so thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, well, I think that's about it. Okay, thank you, Nurse. <laughs> thank you.